Pastor Wade asked me this week if, if I would preach today. His suggestion to follow the schedule of the next verses in Romans chapter 12. So I'm reminded of this story. This is not the actual case. This is a story. Okay. The pastor went on vacation. Before he went on vacation, he asked the assistant pastor to preach while he was gone on Sunday. When he returned, he met one of the church members and he asked the church member, how did the assistant pastor do Sunday morning? Church member said, awful, awful. It was, it was a poor sermon, nothing in it at all. So the pastor decided to go to the assistant See what he had to say. So he said, how did it go Sunday morning? And the assistant said, well, I didn't really have time to prepare anything myself, so I preached one of your sermons. <laughs> I said, that's a story. Well, as our pastor has been preaching from Romans chapter 12, verse by verse, the passage for today is verses 9 and 10. And to put these verses in context, we remember what has gone before. Therefore, by the mercies of God. Our title this morning is Be Gracious. Be gracious. Well, the word gracious is a word that, you know, has its root in the word grace, and it has to do with proceeding from grace. So out of sheer love and at great cost, God has saved us. And what stronger motive could we have for turning our lives over to him from now on. This means a complete mental reorientation affecting our whole character, our motives, and our behavior. It is an act of discipline to follow the transforming power of God to change our thinking, our ambitions, and our behavior to more and more reflect the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in view of what has transpired, when we became believers in Jesus Christ, through the mercies of God, our response is surrender and obedience. I remember a man from several years ago, his name was Leon. Leon was a, a timber worker cutting logs, getting them to the sawmill. A really hard job. He was a tough guy, loud, coarse, mean. People told me that when Leon came to town on a Saturday, that those on the sidewalk would cross to the other side of the street rather than to meet him. Fighting and drunkenness 
for what described Leon. And did I say he was mean? A friend of mine, who at the time was also a friend of Leon, was converted. He was saved, converted from being a used car salesman. And he began to preach in a new mission. He knew Leon and invited him to the services. And Leon came out of curiosity. He was confronted with his need for Christ and he was saved. Leon immediately began witnessing to others, and soon he surrendered to preach. And between the two of those fellows, that little mission became a fast-growing congregation. And then churches began to invite Leon to come and preach, revival meetings, share his testimony. And Leon would come to town early. He would locate the taverns. And with a supply of gospel tracts, he would go into the taverns and strike up conversations with the patrons. As a result, many were saved. At my last communication with Leon, he was pastoring a church in northeast Arkansas. He was a tremendous testimony to the transforming power of God through his obedience and his surrender. Now not all of us have experienced such wickedness and evil before we came to Christ, but we all recognize that we were sinners in need of a savior. The transformation may not have been as dramatic, but it was just as real. And now, as Christ has become our life, how important it is to walk in surrender and obedience. So we want to read our text and hear Paul's description of how our lives should look, how we should live in a world that needs Christ, how we should live in a way that encourages our fellow believers as we have gathered to be the church that God has planted in our community. So I read in Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 9 and verse 10. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Wow. There's a couple of words in the King James that I want to introduce right here when when uh, our scripture reads, love, uh, let love be genuine, and the King James says, let love be without dissimulation. And when it says in verse 10, outdo one another in showing honor, the King James Version says, in honor preferring one another. And I like both of those very much. So I'll... We come to point one this morning, and I call that beginning to be gracious. I'm reminded of the words in verse one, therefore, by the mercies of God. 
Because this is where transformation begins. As every individual takes his place in the family of God, in the body of Christ, in this local church. Like John the Baptist who said, I must decrease while he must increase. Our own stock goes down. Our opinion of others goes up. And individual gifts are used for the good of the whole body. We put ourselves at God's disposal. And we don't pull out when the going gets rough. Old attitudes change. Not only toward fellow believers, but also toward the outside world. As Jesus said, we are in the world but not of the world. And as Paul said, we are new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Instead of hitting back when we are wronged, we treat the enemy as if he were our best friend. And we leave God to do the judging. For vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In other words, we learn to be gracious. Gracious needs to be, it means to be favorable, to be kind, to be friendly, to be merciful, to be pleasing. And it proceeds from grace. Our responsibilities to other believers extend to the exercise of grace. We who have experienced grace must extend grace to others. And this affects all aspects of our Christian life. And so point two this morning, to be, to be gracious affects our character. One translation has it, let us have no imitation Christian love. Let us have a genuine break with evil and a real devotion to good. Ours is not a counterfeit love. The thought behind the word dissimulation is that of hypocrisy. The hypocrite was a person who played a part on a stage. When we assume a character we do not have, we play the hypocrite. We are not genuine. A lady and her family joined our church many, many years ago now, and evidently we were not doing a good job of assimilating new people. One Sunday after lunch, I was relaxing, contemplating an undoubtedly good sermon. And the phone rang. And it's this lady who, without any warning whatsoever, she said, Brother Ron, our church is not a friendly church. Wow, that went against the grain, and I didn't like that. Immediately, I was defensive. I tried to make the case that I wanted, but she went on to say, oh, our folks are friendly to one another. And my eyes were open to that, that need for, for our love to be genuine, for us to learn to be gracious. One of the most often charges against church people is accusations of hypocrisy. 
I have a friend to whom I have shared the gospel for over 25 years now who is very adamant that church people are guilty. He's convinced that a church took financial advantage of his mother and neglected her needs when she was dying. Now this could very well be possible. And though we have maintained a friendship for over these 25 years, he continues to hide behind that perception. In my 59 years of pastoral ministry, I've seen multiple occasions of where people were hurt and left the church because someone was guilty of a lack of genuine love. To abhor what is evil means to withdraw from it, to have a loathing of it. Evil is the opposition of good. Now, I didn't say that evil was the opposite of good. It is the opposition of good. It is the opposing of all that is good. And the culture around us is constantly promoting anything that is opposed to God. Anything that is good. And the believer should not fall into that trap but should learn to recognize that which pulls one away from God. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 22, to abstain from the very appearance of evil. And that which is evil may not strike you as something unspeakable, vile, maybe something more tame. Not long ago, I entered a, a sandwich shop with a coupon, two for one, or special price for two sandwiches. You've seen them. And when, was I, when I went in, I ordered a sandwich, and you know, I looked on the, the board, I ordered you know, this sandwich. When I got to the cashier to pay for that, I found that the coupon was not valid. I got angry. Why is it not valid? You know, I argued. I was angry. And in anger, I left the sandwich shop. But when I left the sandwich shop, I left the sandwiches lying right there at the cash register. I walked out without getting the sandwich, without paying for it. I was mad. What am I saying? You know, it's easy at times to be evil. And as I began to realize that I was not only wrong in understanding the requirements of the coupon, because it did clearly say what the exceptions were, I realized that I was a miserable example of a Christian. I was a failure at my Christian testimony. I was a failure at representing my church. Finally, after several days, I swallowed my pride. 
I went back to the store, explained the situation to the person behind the cash register who didn't know what to do with this, <laughs> called the manager, and I confessed to the manager what had happened, and I apologized for my rudeness. I asked for what would the charges be on those sandwiches today, and they told me, and I paid that and left the tip. Now, I never got the sandwich, but what a relief it was to my spirit to take care of that. Now, Paul was concerned about showing genuine love because in those early days of the church, it was easy to imitate love. If you really didn't have love, people fell into the habit, as they do today, of pretending they love, using loving terms and gestures, but really not feeling it in their heart. This is hypocrisy, and this passage warns against it. Don't let your love be hypocritical. Don't put it on. Be genuine. All the world, through the media, especially encourages us to be something that we are not. But in the church, it's intolerable. That we should be phony in our love is a violation of all the Lord came to do. True love comes from the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit which is given unto you. True Christian character is founded on true Christian love and is expressed in a hatred of evil and a love for good. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and, and following, he says, Or do you not know that un the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he goes on to list many evil practices of unrighteous people. But then he concludes in verse 11 by saying, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. You are different because of the grace of God. George Mueller of England illustrates this call to abhor evil and to let love be genuine. His early life was a life of great wickedness. And although he was well-educated and socially he was a member of a church, he was not a Christian. He was not a believer. But living deep in sin, by the time he was 20 years of age, he had already spent time in jail. But along about that age of 20, he visited a Moravian mission, and he was saved, and his life changed. He moved from Germany to Bristol, England. And there he was led of God to build and oversee orphan homes. He believed that through faith and prayer alone, God would supply all their needs, physical and spiritual. And there's been many 
examples of his reliance upon God to supply the need that has been recorded and often used as illustrations. But during his lifetime of service, he handled some $8 million. And at his death, so consistent was he to his passion for doing good, his personal possessions totaled less than $1,000. More than 10,000 persons, orphans, have been cared for in his orphan homes. And I say, what a testimony to the faith, the power of faith, the passion of love, and the expression of being gracious. And point three, extending grace to others. To be gracious affects our contacts. Verse 10 said, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, or in honor preferring one another. In our contacts with our brethren, we have a responsibility to show grace. We're to show brotherly love. Love for the brethren is proof of spiritual life. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death unto life because we love the brothers. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, there's an old saying, and you've probably heard this before, to dwell above with saints in love that will indeed be glory to live below with saints we know. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> to love one another with brotherly affection is to love the brethren in faith as though they were brethren in blood. It's a kinship relationship. Remember the story of Jonathan and David when it became obvious that David was preferred before him and that David, not Jonathan, was the heir apparent to the throne. Jonathan showed brotherly love to David and in honor preferred him. Then when David came to the, to the throne, he forgave the bitter hatred of Saul and he forgave, for Jonathan's sake, the entire house of Saul. Second Samuel chapter 9 tells us the story of how David sought out Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, and showed to him the very kindness of God. To honor is to show deference. The Phillips translation says, be willing to let other men have the credit. Someone has written, there's no limit to the good that a man can do if he doesn't care who gets the credit. If you really care who doesn't get the credit, you can just enjoy yourself and do all kinds of good deeds. Just be glad that it was done and don't worry about who gets the credit. 
The Christian life is a transformed life, especially seen as a life of genuine love, a life that avoids the very appearance of evil, and a life that is willing to step aside that others may receive the honor. This is being gracious. Now I realize that I haven't kept you an hour yet. <laughs> but just in conclusion, let me say this. Would you be willing to say, that is what I want my life to be? I want to live a life of genuine love. Nothing phony. Loving others like Christ. That others would say, behold how they loved one another. That they would sing songs. They will know that we are Christians by our love. Would you be willing to say, I want to live a life free of evil, not enjoying nor promoting evil in any way. I want to live a life of honoring others, of preferring them, willing to let others have the rewards, the credit, and above all, and above all, to God be the glory. Consider these words. Be gracious. Let's stand together. We ask Brother David to come and, and lead us in an invitation hymn this morning. Consider surrendering your life to Christ and living for him a life of obedience.